They tried to stop my shine, but I said, hold up. Y'all know how many hoes done tried to hold this hoe up. Talk music. They call this a safe bet that we will never forget. Call this a safe bet that we will never forget. Lou the Lou the Lou the Lou the Lou the Lou the What you say? What you say now? What's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? And welcome to a special, a very special edition of Craig's Pop Life, a black gay excursion into pop culture. I am your host, Craig Seymour. You know me, 20 years in this pop culture critic game. You can check my work on rnbeing.com, you know, R-A-N-D-B-E. I can't even spell y'all. Y'all get it. RMBN.com. And anyway, um, in the course of my career, I've had the um, opportunity to interview a lot of celebrities, including the R&B god, Luther Vandross. Um, we chopped it up one time before a concert that he was giving on Mother's Day in Jamaica in the year of our Lord 2001. Um, and this interview became the basis for my biography, Luther, the Life and Longing of Luther Vandross, which you can get on the paperback, you can get it on an ebook, and you can also get the audiobook to, um, you know, catch up on the life of this great singer who revolutionized um, R&B singing. And so, I, without further ado, I just want you all to hear the conversation that we had. Um, I think it was kind of interesting. I think you will enjoy it. So, I will be back on the other end. Bye. Do you feel like your success internationally has that influence? Sort of, um, not really influence, but is that kind of informed or frustration with reaching a certain level in the states and not necessarily, you know, like getting that number one pop record and doing things like that? Do you think? Yeah. Really? Do I think my success internationally has helped form that frustration? Yeah, basically, because you're like, well, look, I can do all this over here, and these, you know, people, you know, are loving me over here. Why can't I get the same sort of reception at home? You know, from such a more broad audience. Well, no, 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 um, not to that degree, because w what happened is that there was, there is success domestically, there's tremendous right. success domestically, but, you know, I always admired what Lionel Richie had, mm -hmm. I always admired what Billy Ocean had, mm -hmm. what Bobby McFerrin had, do you know how in, in the Grammy Awards, on a given year, a black artist mm -hmm. sweeps the Grammy, a black male right. sweeps the award. Right. Like Lionel Richie, like Bobby McFerrin, like, you know, like whoever, the Algero, for example. Right. And I always admired that and wanted that, you know. But but the people who surrounded me were okay. kind of satisfied with the degree of success that we had with what we were doing and they weren't that anxious or interested in forging new ground. You mean Sony or Epic? Or I mean the people surrounding me. What <laughs> you I, mean, said. You I said Sony or people you mean surrounding Sony, me. Epic or CBS. <laughs> Excuse me. 
This is the artist Luther Vandross talking, and I said the people who surrounded me. I didn't mention any names. But look, but then again, um, there's management, there's 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 everyone. Okay, but then again, Lionel Richie's new single isn't the um, you know hottest airplay gainer this week well, on Billboard's but, R&B but, chart. But the whole or thing even is, on the chart. But the the one thing that we did though, mm-hmm. is. My passion is always R&B music, so right. if I crossed over, I was going to cross over as an R&B artist. Right, and, right. You know, I used to always say I'm not going to wear, I'm not going to wear a blonde wig right. to cross over. I won't be doing anything differently. Right. But for some reason, the people that I was with never really were interested in going any further. They were always popping the champagne bottle open if I went double platinum or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, so. Um, you know that that's that's what started creating the frustration. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, it seems like um, am I holding up a step class? Uh huh. James, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. So don't 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 mind us. Okay. So now you're with Clive. And one thing that seems to strike me about this deal is that um, you know, Clive's a very talented person. He also seems to be the type of person that um. You know, he knows what he can do, but I think you have to let him do it, which involves giving up a certain amount of control. And that's been one of the things that you've always fought for hard in your career from the very, from the very beginning of your solo deal. So I'm just wondering how you're kind of reconciling that at but, this point. But you know what? That's the view from an outside bridge. That's actually What's not how it's... Well, and, I'm, and I'm telling you why, why it's, it's not exactly accurate. All right. Because... Um, my deal with Clive is that I produce half of the album, mm-hmm. and he and I mutualize, select half of the album. Okay. That's that's as fair and fabulous as, as you know as I would want it to be. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. Okay. You know, I'm fine with that. And come to find out, not having to produce everything myself means not having to stay in the studio from noon to 4 a.m. every day for six months. Right. Okay. Now I can go sing. Mm-hmm. You know, do my thing, do my background vocals, right. put on my coat, and go see a scary movie with my friends. Right. <laughs> you know, for the fifth time, by the way, because that was my favorite. Movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So, the ones you're producing now are all the tracks that you actually produce, and the ones that he's overseeing are like the Warren Campbell cuts, the Jimmy Jam cuts, the well, John B. cuts, the. No, yeah, well, in a, not exactly. Um, the way we have proceeded is, is I, I'm the type of singer, I prefer to be in the studio alone when I okay. record my vocals. Right, a lot of people do. Yeah, I'm not a big, I, I don't like uh, a party atmosphere at all. Um, I like myself and engineer. Mm-hmm. Once once I like the song, like he presented me with a bunch of songs, one, mm-hmm. the ones that I like, they sent the tracks to the studio. Okay. I sang the lead vocals, I got my singers, we did background vocals, and sent them back with a bunch of notes as to specific things about this verse or that bridge or this chorus or whatever. So no young little upstart producer was telling you how to sing. Once again, that's you talking. <laughs> Once a- I'm scared of you. I'm not... And good night. <laughs> no, I'm scared of what you're going to write. I'm going to exercise. Because you put words in my mouth. I am not. And by, and by, I'm, let me tell you something. I'm asking you. You, you are not. At, that was asked, not a question. I said so. That was a it, statement. And my voice went up at the end. Your nose is growing. That was <laughs> a statement. But do you think that, you know, somebody like yourself that obviously has an established fan base, 
no matter what the hottest thing is or what people's vision are for you, you do understand that your fans are expecting a certain thing. I think it's understandable that you would want to exert a certain amount of control over how something is going to come out. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, the certain amount of control. Yeah, no, no, because I'm not a control freak. But, but I'm not saying that you were trying to call me. <laughs> I'm not putting words in your mouth like you're putting words in my mouth. Not the other sentence. No, but no. <laughs> oh my God, it's gonna be a long day. <laughs> oh no, see you. Yes, you're creating a long day. Let me go exercise. All right. No, we'll talk. About it. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> we know the sort of thing people do to your music. <laughs> uh, that's true. But at the same time, let me tell you something. I cannot stand that label. I can't stand being strapped with that label. Uh -uh. What label? With love with that, man, love oh, man. Oh, I, the bedroom oh, person? Yeah, I hate it. Are you because prude? You decide that. I'm you decide. You. After, do you do I'm not a prude. I'm who I am. And and you see the thing is is that I don't ever sing about making love. Right. And and the sheets and the satin sheets and the pretty red dresses and the panties and all of that. <laughs> and I don't want to be uh, you know, and when I want to hear that, yes, I buy who makes that. Right. Okay? But that's not the music I make. Dionne Warwick loves proud, loves Tina Turner. Uh -huh. But she ain't singing Proud Mary. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I like that art form, and I buy records like that. I buy Barry White records, and I buy Isley Brothers records. Uh -huh. Okay, and I'm a fan of theirs. But that's not what I'm making. That's not, you know, that's not the same thing as, as So Amazing. So Amazing... And between the sheets are two different approaches. Okay, well, is that because that's not the vision that you have of yourself as an artist, or is that a reflection of just how you carry yourself as a person? Or it's the, the latter. Okay. It's mostly the latter. It's I've always been big on metaphor. I was never one to blatantly state what could be implied when it comes to art. Okay. You know, I was never one to just blatantly state a body part. You know, I, you know, I would rather I would rather some people not get it because they don't understand the implication or the metaphor uh -huh. than to just have to blatantly state it. Now that that's me for me. Uh -huh. And but I buy music where stuff is blatantly stated. And you know, if it is, you know, well maybe that's not the way I would have written that passage, but that's the way they wrote it and I still like it because that's who they are. I always find it surprising when people like call your music baby making music and stuff like that because I do think that I find like when I play your music and when other people I know play your music it's much more like you know, after the love is gone, and <laughs> you're waiting for the love to come back, or something oh, yeah. like that, you know, um, so, I mean, just, where do you, where is your conception of love shape, like, where, in terms of how you express that as a writer, it's like, where did you learn about, how did you learn about love, and what are you really trying to convey in certain songs, and why, you know? I suppose it's all a, uh, yeah, the com questions in one no, 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 but it's all, it's all good. I, um, it's, a, it's the sum total of my life's experiences. My life's disappointments, my life's conquests, then more disappointments, then another disappointment or two, then a minor conquest, okay, then a slew of disappointments. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so, but when I was young, I forget what age I was when, um, what in the world is this? Oh You're kidnapping God. us. Yeah, uh, this is the back. I this is the back. Oh, no, no. Um, I remember, you remember Love Story, Ryan O'Neill uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, and Ali uh -huh, McGraw? Uh -huh. I, that left me sitting in the in the theater seat for a half hour. Mm -hmm. 
I was totally unprepared. I was playing hooky uh-huh. and went to the movies to see that. And when he, when she, when he laid um, next to her on the, the bed, the gurney uh-huh. in the hospital, uh-huh. and she died, and then he went to the park, and the camera pulled off and showed his back in the park, and the whole panoramic consideration was this alienated man who didn't have his other half. Uh-huh. What can I tell you? That affected me for, for the first time I ever cried in a movie, you know, and all that, and just sat there immobile, just just totally unable to to consider anything else. And I think that penetrated my where, thinking. Where are we going? Where the we? sense of loss penetrated huh. everything that I would begin to write and all of that. I think that's where that began. Well, would you say, like, in life, would you say you spent more time being in love or, like, waiting for love? Waiting. Waiting. And the time that was spent being in love was all... It, was uh, was largely, unfortunately, always um, unrequited, unreciprocated, whatever the word is, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, those were just the circumstances that happened right. to come. I don't consider myself unlovable by any stretch, mm-hmm. but no, it has, that had not happened. You know, so I've, I'm still waiting. So are you in love now? No, not right now, because I'm smarter now. I'm smarter now. What I does that mean? It means that, that I formulated a theory that you can't go there before the other person's there. So here's, I call it my alphabet theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say you're at A, I'm at Z. Mm-hmm. What I always did was I always came, you're at A, I'm at Z. What I always did is I always came all the way over to B. Now, the, 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 the the great place to be, the perfect place for us to be is at M and N, right. right there in the mm-hmm. middle. What I always did was I came all the way over to B right. to convince you to it's let me take you to M and N. Okay? I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And not only do I not only not go all the way over to B, I don't even go to M and N anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to come to X and Y. Mm-hmm. So in other words, now I have to see you and your intention. But I learned you can't convince anybody. Somebody... I know what capacity I have. I know me. And I know that I will show up. And I know that, for example, monogamy and loyalty and all of that stuff is um, innate in my personality. Ask any of my friends. I have friendships of 35 years. You know, my best friends are friends who I've known for 35. Oh, don't go there. It's hot in there. He's trying to burn me. No. Um, You're not willing to. You know, let thing I'll let you slide anymore to anybody. It would have to be a... Well, I'll let you slide is about something that already was in place. You know what I'm saying? But you let them slide. But I let them slide, but but mistakenly so. In other words, it was that was a, a, a romance that was already in place. I'm talking about the pursuit of the romance. Okay. I won't allow myself to... <laughs> What's that? Wait, I'm doing an interview. I'll be right there. How you doing? I'm I was in L.A. all that time. and then I uh, heard. Uh, yeah, oh. oh, I'm going to jump on you later. Oh, hi, baby. Hi. I am. I'm <laughs> jumping on you later. <laughs> right. So, um, I'm talking about the pursuit of it. And that initial thing where you regard someone or you can imp- in- in- picture, envision yourself uh-huh. with someone. But they are giving you no indication right. that that's any, anything close to the, to the role that that they would see you in. You know, I find myself a lot of times with people who want to be platonic friends, but, I mean, and genuine friends, 
you know, because I'm really good friendship material, I find out. But after after that, they don't, they, I've had problems moving it into that into next the romance. well, romantic phase. That. I don't care about everybody. We're talking about me. Okay? We're talking about me and the songs I write and why they're written that way. You know, but no, but you were saying, like, you, you're making it sound like it's an individual thing, so no, I'm no, just saying, well, well, every, wait a minute. I think everybody no, feels no, no, like no. that. That's no, 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 no. Let me re-guide your, tra your train of thought here. Everybody does feel that way, and everybody right. is entitled to feel that way. Mm -hmm. But everybody isn't under the same scrutiny. Everybody doesn't, okay. everybody doesn't have E.F. Hutton around them all the time. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Well, why is right. Luther talking to that person? Oh, why is Luther talking? Oh, I wonder if Luther, oh, blah, 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 you know. Enough said. what they do. I was fine doing what I did until Roberta Flack said, no, I'm not allowing you to sit on that stool and sing who and I anymore. What was that conversation like? With Roberta? <laughs> what had happened is that she was, um, we were doing a sound check in a place called uh, the Holiday Star Theater, I think, anyway, in Merrillville, Indiana. And she had interviews to do. And uh, so she asked me to check her mic, you know, so for sound check. And, um, the lighting man happened to be checking the lights as well. And he had the lights down in the house. And I was, you know, just singing, killing me softly and singing if ever I saw your face and just Bye. doing my thing. When the, when the lights went out, Roberta had been sitting there the whole time. And she came over. We didn't know she was there because it was dark sitting in the back. And when she she came over to me, she said, you know, you're getting too comfortable sitting on the stool singing ooh and ah. She says, you must go pursue your own solo career. She says, you know, we deserve it, and you deserve it," she says. So I'm lovingly firing you. Those are her very words. Huh. And so with the money that I saved from her and from Bowie and from Bette Midler, from session work, you know, with Coca-Cola and you know whoever else I had worked for, NBC and Juicy Fruit and Miller Bear, uh -huh. all the products, uh, I made my demo for Never Too Much and House Is Not at Home. Now, where does Luther fit in on all this? Luther, the group Luther. Uh -huh. um, Right after David Bowie. Don't act like I don't do my research. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know who you think you're talking to. <laughs> right after David Bowie, after we did background for Bowie. Right. Um, Bowie introduced me to Arif Martin. Uh -huh. That's what happened. And Arif started, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bowie introduced me to Bet. Uh -huh. Because Bet was always that kind of, you know, there's a new kid on the block, but really? I gotta have them too, you know. So she, uh -huh. so she had me come in and audition. And I remember the first time I went into the room to audition for her, room full of people. And she came over and she said, "You must be Luther." And she bit me right on my nipple, right. And what did you say to her? And I said, "You know what?" I said, "You know, I don't want this gig that bad." I said, "Back off," you know. She says, "Oh, everybody, we have a mama's boy here, right?" Well, what and did the you fact of the matter is that I was living with my mother at the time. <laughs> well, what did you interpret that to be? Like when she bit your nipple? Like Over familiarity. It's like she was just being too close. Like you didn't. Not too close. She was just being bad. But she was like, you, you just felt like you didn't know her like that, for her to be all like that with you. No, see, all that creates an issue that doesn't really exist. I'm just it asking the question. I'm saying, because no, you I'm, said... No, 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 wait a minute. No, you wait a minute. <laughs> you you can't ask these loaded questions. <laughs> and then I am responding questions. to all of the facets of your question. Okay, okay. Bye, so what I'm saying is that the question implies that there is, was something about it that was objectionable. Beyond me not wanting her to do it, it didn't represent anything. Okay. It, it, it just represented someone who was too forward at that moment, and I wasn't having it. 
I just guess like, it goes back to the whole thing about, I mean, there seems to be a certain reserve about you, about your behavior, about the way that you want other people to behave around you. And I guess that kind of goes back to the question when I asked you if you thought you were a prude. <laughs> <laughs> um, would the label prude have to apply to you if you have limits for how, for, and boundaries? You, you know what I'm saying? And, and you also observe those boundaries when dealing with other people? So where do those come from? Um, I am my own special creation. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. You, you know how you're just a certain way? Uh -huh. That's just the way I am. I was never, you know, like with, in school, I was never really that interested in, in what would happen if you ran across the grass that said do not cross. You know what I'm saying? I you're not a rebel? No. I'm ju I just wasn't. No, I was focused enough elsewhere to have to be a rebel. You know, when you're a rebel, you're searching for something, you know, and, and you, you are also hell-bent on bucking something that exists. You know, and I thought that I could attain what I wanted to attain without having to go through all those paces, you know. So, no, I'm not particularly a rebel. I'm not necessarily a conformist, but, uh, you know, a rebel, you know. No, rebelism doesn't, as you do, as I think you're defining it, doesn't apply to me, you know. Well, you mentioned like you but I'm not approved I don't no I would like to not think of myself as approved okay. but I'm a, I'm a big please and thank you person uh -huh. you know um, you know I like to show appreciation for for gestures done toward me I like to to say thanks and you know and all of that kind of stuff I won't let you curse around my mother you know the minute you curse around my mother you're out of my life you know that's that if that's approved then hell yeah I'm, I'm the prude of the all of, of the Western Hemisphere you know, but, so I, I think, I mean, we live in society. We're not, we weren't raised by wolves. You know, we can, we can relate to each other in a, in a way that's civil and all of that kind of stuff and still have soul. Right. You know. Okay, so tell me about, so, um, like, when these, I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting the picture of you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, no I don't know why I did that. Anyway, just take, I'll take that back. Wait the no. um, oh, listen to that. <laughs> now, see, implicit in that. Okay, I'm not even. Go ahead. You be you, I'll like, be me. Go you ahead. just um, you just you strike me as the type of person that was probably sheltered, kind of growing up. You know that you were um, and I was just wondering. So again, you know, but I was just wondering, like the experience of like going on tour with Bowie, and he's like cross dressing and doing all this wild stuff in bed and. You know, with her coming from the baths and all that kind of stuff, it's like, what were those experiences like being exposed to all that kind of stuff, you know? Right. Um, you know, it's so funny because when when I started working with each of those people, I knew very little about the history. Okay. I knew David Bowie more as the guy who did that, what is this? The, the ground control, the major Tom thing where the guy got lost in space, right. then I did about Diamond Dogs, you know, and Ziggy and the cross-dressing and stuff. I found all that stuff out later, Okay. you know, and I just thought it was in interesting, you know, and all of that. And Bet starting the bass, you know, I, I, I started with Bet at the end of Clams on the Half Shell. Right. Throughout, you know, throughout the, uh, the, the Divine Miss Am, you know, that uh, movie that she made. And a little bit after that. Um, none of that I mean why would that ever you know concern me to me it's it's art it's it's a choice 
it's a choice that you make. You know, it's the reason why everybody, you know, two people could look at the same thing, and to one person it's lavender, and to another person it's downright purple. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, you know, they did what they wanted to get them there, and they were hiring me. So they had, they had attained what they wanted to attain when they met me, mm -hmm. you know. So who was I to question their means, the ends justifies the means, or, you know, all's well that ends well, or however you want to say it, you know. I didn't question it. I was too busy being thrilled to A, be in circumstances where I could meet artists of that stature, and B, to be working and making some money. Mm -hmm. So you must have really high standards for somebody that you're with. You must have very... You must have very, do, you yeah. do, don't you? Because mm -hmm. that's why it's so hard to find somebody. Is that why find people disappoint? Oh, somebody that I'm with. You yeah. mean personally? Yeah, I mean with. Oh, I thought you meant. No, I mean, Because <laughs> um. it seems like you do have to, I mean, and like wonder if that's why you seem, what you said earlier, like you do seem to get disappointed by people a lot. People Let's say this. I don't agree with that. Okay, fine. But I will say this. But see, why do you do that? You, you, when you do that, it makes me feel like I said something that's so offensive and objectionable, which is not the case. I just don't agree with the characterization okay, okay. of your question. Okay. So what I'm saying is I wouldn't say that. Okay. I wouldn't say that I have high standards, mm -hmm. prohibitively high standards for somebody that I'm with. But I tell you what, I certainly don't have low standards. Okay. So that's all I meant. I would say rather than saying I have high standards, I certainly, there are certain things that I, I wouldn't go for. Like you know what? what I'm saying? Like somebody being self-sufficient and somebody, you know, having to to have their own sense of self. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Their yeah, sense somebody of, just riding on you. Yeah, right. I don't want nobody riding on me. Because, you, you know, I, because it just doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel good, you know. So, you know, somebody who has a, a sense of self and a sense of direction and ambition and all that. Yeah, that's a, that's a part of it for me. How come we know so little about your love life? Like you, you, you are because the king of love, but we don't know anything your, about your life. Well, because you're not entitled to. Okay. That's, you know, you're not, a, this is, a, because I, you know what you don't know about my love life? Why? Because I haven't made the documentary that tells you about my love life. I haven't chosen to make that documentary. But based on me making records, I, you know, no one's entitled to know any more than I tell them. Okay. That, that's just my position, you, you know, on that. <laughs> so is there going to be a documentary of the work? If I feel like it. <laughs> Whenever I feel like it. <laughs> if ever I were to to become so inspired. Have you had an interesting life? Oh, Lord, yes. Oh, yeah, I've had a fabulous life. Oh, you talking about love life? I'm sorry, Aaron. Well, okay, no, no, I was it, trying to understand what you well, mean. Now that you mentioned have you had an interesting love life? Yeah. I've had an interesting, but not satisfying love life, you know, but, but interesting, sure. But not satisfying in terms of, like, when you look back on your love, the many relationships you may have had, you're really not satisfied with that, you know? Right. Right. You know, um, you know, it's like a lot of times you find yourself trying to fit your big, enormous life into someone else's small box of a life because mm -hmm. they don't have ambition of their own. Right. And that never works out. You know, it's not exactly square peg, round hole, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, huge square peg, small square hole. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and it just doesn't, sometimes it doesn't fit. Um, next question. You're trying to zero in on something which you are never, ever gonna, gonna. What am I trying to zero in on? You know why are you trying to read my mind? Why are you trying to read my mind? Oh, listen, you who've been trying to read my mind the whole afternoon. I have, and have been to zero. Okay, go ahead. So then you're well, not I, trying to I, zero I, in on no, anything. I'm not trying to zero in on anything. I'm just trying to say, I mean, I guess it's just like, um, I don't know, I, you know, because I like, I read all, everything, like basically all the interviews you've done, and it just seems like, you know, the things that you talk about love, they seem to be kind of, um, interesting that, that seems to be not really contradictory, but I don't know if it's because if you just seem to have different visions of love at different times, because like sometimes you talk about, I think you said something to people like, when you're in love, you know, there's no loneliness, there's no pain, you know, when you're in love, there's just all this happiness. And then there's some other, you know, there's songs like your song, Sometimes It's Only Love, where you seem to have a much more grounded version, vision of love. You seem to be accepting that, you know, love is just sort of this everyday thing. You just have to accept that it's not always happening. It's not always the honeymoon. Exactly. Right. And then you, um, so I'm just, you know, I'm trying to just figure out where's, you know, like, I'm just trying to, you know, you speak to so many people about love. You help so many people, including myself get through relationships, get over relationships, get the strength to get back up to try to find something else. So I'm just trying to find out, like, you know, just in your mind, what, you know, what is love at this point? You know what I mean? What are you looking for love to do? What are you looking for love to, um, well, to be, you know? So good. Love it. I mean, I would think at this point, it's one of those things, like, you know it when you see it, mm-hmm. you know? I no longer try to define it and then go casting for it. That's a big mistake. Okay. You know. Um, when and if it happens, I'll know. Mm-hmm. I believe I'll know. If not at first, I will ultimately know. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, I mean, most artists, the typical thing is, um, they come out with an album, they do an interview, and they decide like, okay, I'm going to reveal a little bit of my private life. I'm going to give people a little bit of this to make things spicy and interesting. You've never done that. You've really never seemed to um, sort of use your private life in order to get media attention or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like you haven't, with, no, uh, haven't. with other than just kind of people knowing about you know your struggles with weight and that type of thing. I mean, other than that, you yeah, that's been, my like, private life. Right. I've spoken about that openly and and and, and honestly and everything. Uh, you know, what what else would somebody want to know? Right. Do you remember the first time you had a realization that? I, I was very overweight as a teenager, <clears throat> so I was just wondering, do you, have, do you remember the first time you had a realization of yourself as being overweight? Yeah. It was very early, though. It was long before I was like, long before I was even a young adult. Um, the, um, you know, in, in gym, well, when the desk is too small for you in school, mm-hmm. in gym, you know that rope that comes from the ceiling in gym that everybody in order to pass the gym class has right. to climb the rope, mm-hmm. touch the ceiling and come down? Of course I couldn't do it. And of course it was the the big, you know, form of laughter, everybody gathering around to watch me try, you know. Finally I just said, fuck y'all, I'm, you know, with or without this diploma, I'm going on with my life. <laughs> if y'all ain't going to give it to me because of this, right. then y'all are crazy. You know, because I was a great student. I, you know, like a B plus average or something when I graduated. Mm-hmm. The last year of my grades, last year of high school, I'm speaking in reference to high mm-hmm. school, my grades started to falter because my interest in music was just all-encompassing, you know, just all, it was all that mattered, you know. 
Diana leaving the Supremes was just like, oh, it, 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 I just didn't think of, you know, anything else. I was just... You didn't like Jean Terrell or something? <laughs> you had beef with her? <laughs> you weren't so now let me tell you, see? <laughs> That's what I mean by the loaded question. That wasn't even a question. Was that a was a question. You said what? You didn't like Jean Terrell or something? You had a beef with her? See, that's you fishing. It's, one has nothing to do. Can I like blue without <laughs> hating red? <laughs> do you find that that's possible? Okay, I just missed that was Diana. That, okay, I didn't on. have any objections to Jean. Although, okay, uh, okay, yeah. although what? Although the sun's coming out. Oh. <laughs> um, you once said that, you know, there was a voice inside that used to say that, you know, that you weren't worthy of being seen, that you shouldn't be seen. Oh, that I didn't want to be seen when I was heavy. Yeah, where, did, where have you kind of figured out where that came from or, um, you know, what that was? You know, my it? own insecurity. You know, I faulted everything that was wrong with my life, every, everything that I deemed to be wrong with my life, uh, attributable to, to obesity. You know, and I was crazy to do that because I look back and I see the friendships that I've had that had nothing to do with it. You know what I'm saying? They all accepted me for who I was and, and, and without any reservation and all of that, you know what I'm saying? No judgment and all of that. Uh -huh. But um, the uh, other areas, I would, I would blame that as being a repellent. To, to, uh, to, to people wanting me, even even down to, you know, getting turned down for a record deal, uh -huh. you know. You know, I thought it was because of my weight, you know, I might have been awkward to market or something, you know, um, until I finally got the record deal and saw that that didn't make any difference. You know, and as a matter of fact, if, if I had a, a magic wand to go back over it all, I wouldn't change any of that. I changed the fact that I had diabetes and high blood pressure. But in terms of my weight, that, that's one of the things that maybe, along with my own voice, that's what, that's part of what makes Luther. You know, the yo-yo the syndrome, the, you know, that, the, the privacy, the, 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 the sort of coveted or shrouded way that I handle my personal life. You know, that's what, what makes me. Does that make it harder? In a way, does the sort of, you know, and I'm using your words. But sort of the shrouded way. What? <laughs> I, don't know. I didn't say anything. I say sort of the shrouded. Does that actually make it more difficult to find a relationship? Because yeah, really, it makes it. So is it worth it? I wonder. You have come up with the question of the recent day for me. I wonder if it's worth it. Is what worth it? The shrouded way, the the the, the uh, guarded way with which I treat my personal life I don't trust everybody with information about me you know what I'm saying just as you cannot know my mother's address you won't get it right okay there's certain things about me that you won't get either because I don't feel I owe you that just to be in show business mm -hmm. you know um rumors just very easily attached to you for some reason I know rumors very... that I died yeah I mean how does that feel to find out you've died <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can't even, most people could never imagine. I know. How did you actually find that out? <laughs> uh, um, so, I'm on the, uh, I'm at home on the couch and the phone rings. Ring, hello. Hey baby, how you doing? It's Valerie. 
That's in Ashford and Simpson. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I said, I'm doing fine. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Okay, bye. <laughs> now, Valerie and I, someone, uh, we, we're people who talk on the phone for an hour. Right, right, right. Okay. Next thing I know, it's Dion. You know, hey, how is it going? How you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling fine. I'm sitting up here watching The Price is Right. Oh, well, then I'll let you go. Bye. You know, and after about two days of that. Right. I said, what's going on? And then I found out. And I found out the day that I was leaving to do the Essence Festival, the, Eff the Essence Festival last year. Um, and it just so happened that I called my mother before I got on the uh, plane. Uh -huh. You know, like I sometimes do before I get on the plane. Right. And the rumor had just started then. And I didn't, I didn't know about it until I landed in um, New Orleans. And then I started hearing, because there was a lot of press. I mean, there's always a lot of press at the Essence Festival, but there was a lot of press there that day. I was there. Were you there? Oh, so you know, there was more press than usual. And so, you know, I just went in the room and had fun with it, you know. And um, how it affected me was real. It didn't. It oh, come on. I swear to you. Yeah, for somebody to think that you're dead, that, can't, that has to piss you off. I'm not gonna let sit on your outside. No, what you're doing? You tell me. What you're doing is projecting yourself into my life. You have to understand into your head. We are all comprised of different things, right? And that I am here to tell you it didn't did not make me. me mad. That didn't make me mad. It it annoyed me and how stupid it was, but it didn't make me mad. Well, annoying. Mad at who? I can't trace the source of it. Annoyance is the first cousin of mad. Yeah, but it never got that far. Okay. You know. Water is the first part of Kool-Aid, but if you don't pour the, the, the powder in, you don't get Kool-Aid, so you, you never get there. Well, look, I mean, and this, but it just seems to be, and this is the second time this kind of happened to you. I mean, when you first lost a lot of weight, you know, right. and you had to suit you that magazine and it did AIDS, and I right. mean, I think that was largely what the implication was even the last time with the weight loss yeah. and stuff like that, and I mean, that doesn't make you anything. I mean, like, if you, if, really, when people have rumors that I have AIDS and have died, that makes me blank. What word would you put in there? Sorry for them. That makes me pity how boring their fucking lives are. That's, that's my blank. Can I kind of ask you about love then? Can I ask you about the first time you fell in love? Uh, you can ask. Okay, tell me about the first time you fell in love. That's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay, who was the first person you fell in love with? That's not a question. That's the question. <laughs> And the answer is, is none of your business. <laughs> no, the first person I fell in love with, I was uh, 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was very painful and unrequited. And, and alienating. Very alienating. Did you tell the person? Mm -hmm. And they didn't respond. What was their response? The response was almost like, thank you. You know, but I'm not interested. You know, and you know you're 16, and so is the other person. So you know, it's like you know, nobody knows much about what that is anyway. You know. Yeah. So basically, all you're telling another person is what you're feeling. You know, you're not making life's plans, mm -hmm. plans for life at that point. Just circling the airport. Look at you. <laughs> Circle in the airport. No, I was just going to say that, I mean, um, <laughs> okay. well, I think it's something in your preoccupation that you're thinking I'm trying to get at something that I'm not. But anyway. 
<laughs> I think that's a crock. <laughs> what you just said. And that's your right. Right. No, because. I think you can... No, 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 no. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see who's right at the end of the uh, <laughs> at, in the in the twelfth hour. Okay. Um. If the Grammys had approached you about singing with Eminem, would you? No. Really? Why? Because I tell you the truth, I'm not that familiar with what he does. Not that familiar with what he does. I, I know he, he. I'm not really familiar. I'm, I only know through certain press about him and Elton that he was uh, that he bashed a lot of things. He bashed gay people. What else did he bash? He bashed. Well, people perceive him as bashing gay people, women. Women, you know, and all of that. Um, well, finish talking about Luther. So, like, was it easier for you to get a deal as a group than it was at a, for, as a solo artist at the time? No, the circumstances were so different. You know, Arif was, uh, Arif Martin, I was singing background music for him mm -hmm. all the time. You know, like on Ringo Starr and Carly Simon, everything. And what happened was he introduced me to Henry Allen. Um, Henry Allen was an executive who Atlantic gave his own label called Cotillion to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great and, label. Sorry? I said it was a great label. Great. Oh, thanks. And um, I was the first artist on Cotillion. Oh, really? Yeah, I was the first. My, and that was a group of mine when he wanted to sign me. That was, those were my high school friends, you know. Oh, okay. Diane, you know. Was Fonzie in that? Fonzie wasn't in that, no. Fonzie had his own, made his own album. And Bernard, was Bernard Edwards in that? Or? Yeah, Bernard and Al played in the band. And Bernard us. and Al played in the band? And this was pre-sheet? This was pre-sheet. Okay. And then me, Fonzie. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Fonzie. Me, Robin. Diva. Me, Robin, and Diva did the demo for Yowza, Yowza, Yowza. Mm -hmm. And then me, Robin, Diva, David Lasley, and Alpha did the chic records, the freak and all of that, and Sister Sledge. Right. He's the greatest dancer. I know you're the loudest person on that record. I know. I was, and I kept, <laughs> I kept saying to them, you know what? I am too loud. And they kept saying, man, just you know, just move in. And I said, move in. I'm so loud. I can't even hear the. I can't hear Kathy. What are you talking about? So you know, but that's the sound that they wanted. You know, it's right. not because I wanted to oh, be yeah, sure. dominant. <laughs> <laughs> so and then. <laughs> <laughs> and so you did two albums, two Luther albums, right? I'm going to get you back for that. Oh, let's see. Yeah, the two Luther albums. Okay. Which sold about 14 copies combined. <laughs> well, I have one and one of them. Okay, right. But, did you um, buy it or did someone give it to you, though? I bought it. Oh, okay. All right. The second time around. <laughs> but, um... Oh, that song. That's a good song. I redid it. Nah, the second no. time around. I like the original better. Let me tell you something. You like the original one better. Oh, no, don't. Are you going to hit me? Do you know that when I left Cotillion, I bought the Masters? Uh -huh. So the remake is the original. No, I that. Listen to me. <laughs> listen to me. It is the original. It's the original track. It's the original background vocal. It's not the original vocal. It's not the original lead vocal. No. Which is sung ever so much better. On the remake. Yeah, but I think the reason about it is like the, there was kind of like a real innocence in the first, I think. And I mean, maybe it's just like that's, I mean, and that's also just the one that I'm familiar with. Yeah, so that's sure. probably it, you sure. know. Believe that message now, still? Love will be better the second time around. Or the third, fourth, fifth? <laughs> I believe now that love will be better when it is better, you know. Uh, 
second, third, first, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about Eminem and him bashing gays and stuff like that. It's like you talked about on the song Religion, you talked about Little Billy and Jack. Mm-hmm. And that rated, you know, that got people all in a uproar about, you know. Oh, it did? Well, I was Luther talking about this, but I mean, why did you feel the need to address that on that album? Um, because it was a part of the story. You know, um, okay, the father was was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. The mother was a tolerant, typical mother trying to hold the household together. Mm-hmm. You know, was very church going. They all had different religions. The uh, the sister was a 15 year old girl who was pregnant. Right, right, right. And you know that's why you know the whole reference to Ricky Lake was there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, okay, so now what can I have the son? How can I have the son? How can I have the parent's index finger in the son's face? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. For them to tell him he needs religion. Stop snatching pocketbooks. Stop playing hooky. I said, but wait a minute. If they go to church, the thing they're going to object to more than anything, even though all sins are supposed to be equal, Mm -hmm. is his being gay. Right. That's it. Okay. So those are the four things there's his religion her religion in other words the fathers the mothers right and then there's the father and the mother telling the two kids why they need religion well do you think like within like certain black communities i mean do you think that like homosexuality is just a huge you know issue that people can't deal with you know what i mean that that is really kind of a still a huge taboo in a way that it's not necessarily in the mainstream you know you have like will and grace on tv you have elton you know he's you talk about documentaries, me, I love her, make a documentary about him, you know what I mean? So you have, do you think there's like a different stand, different set of standards? No, there could be. What there do you think be. there is? Um, I don't know enough, I haven't spoken to enough people about that okay. to form an opinion as to whether or not that's the case. Mm-hmm. There's the James Earl Hardy book, Second Time Around, that's like no. named after you. There's this James Earl Hardy book called Second Time Around, it's named after you, and um, I mean named after Second Time Second Around. Second after the song. Okay. And then like in the first chapter, there's this guy he's listening to houses, or he's experiencing his mother listening to houses at home. Okay. Talk about two black gay men in a relationship. Okay. And I mean, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, and people do have a real sort of a lot of black gay men have a real affinity toward your music and really feel like you're speaking to them and that type of thing and I was just wondering does that have any you know I know like Sissy Houston's talked about it and different people have talked about like things that are in their music that they think you know gravitates a certain audience toward them Mm. I was wondering why you think that people feel that strong connection in the same way that a lot of black single black women feel just an incredible like, like you're speaking to many of their experiences, we yeah. talk about searching for love, having everything but love, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the Stellas of the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, before somebody's gay, before somebody's female, they're a person, you know, and, and I think what the songs yeah. are speaking to is the person and the core of, of that being. You know what I'm saying? It's not mm-hmm. speaking to the political or societal allegiance that they have or, 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 or preferences that they have, you know, and all of that, you know. And it's, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it could be as much coincidence as anything, but it's certainly not targeted mm-hmm. to any one type of person. It's targeted to anyone who feels this way and who can understand it, you know, much in the same way a, a good novel is is targeted 
you know, to, uh, you know, Memoirs of a Geisha was not only targeted to, to Japanese people. Right. You know, I love the book, you know. Well, and it's, like, interesting. I, I remember, um, you know, as speaking... <laughs> what? You're going to give me all this prudishness, but that time you told the woman to take her pants off the stage. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... Were you there that night? No. Oh. First of all, I thought it was nasty. Unidentified drawers on... Uh, no, get out of here. But she was just... But obviously she, she was, was just, just trying to show her appreciation for but you. But you Lisa. know what? That's what applause was created for. <laughs> the, don't, you know, uh-uh. No. And you actually told her to get to come up and get back and get yes, them? Yes, and the audience gave me a standing ovation. And did she come get them? Yeah. And did she just leave in humiliation? No, she went back and sat in her seat in the third row. And you know what I told them is that, you know what, that doesn't flatter me. I'm sorry you think it does, but it doesn't, you know. Try Ingeborg Humperdinck or Tom Jones or somebody else, you know, that you hear that that happens to. Right. That that flatters, but that doesn't flatter me. I'm sorry. I don't want to be remembered for the, hey, What's up? how you doing? Good, good. Good. Yeah. How's it going? Oh, good, good. How the monsters? <laughs> this is Skip. Skip, this is Craig. Hey, how you Craig doing? From Vibe Magazine. Nice all right, glad to meet you. Trying to pump me for all this private information. Right, right. Which he ain't going to get, so I'm just sitting here enjoying myself. Watch the concert. Get more information. All right. You looking for the... <laughs> but, so, but I don't understand. So why, I mean, um, you seem to have this thing about, like, people acting in a certain way around you or people doing a certain thing. You seem to be very, like... Um, I don't know. You see, this okay. Let let me say what I was about to say before Skip came. Okay. You know that question that a lot of interviewers ask: How do you want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. I want to be remembered, and I'm serious about this. I want to be remembered as one of the premier singers of our time. Mm -hmm. Period. And I feel that throwing your drawers at me compromises and trivializes my effort to do that. You see, and I don't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate all of the attention and I appreciate the core that the music and the performance hits mm -hmm. but not to the degree where your drawers come on stage at me I'm sorry I don't I don't it is totally not you know that's not it and if that makes me a prude then I'm king prude <laughs> would you trade the talent the success and all that kind of stuff for love yeah, oh Lord you have asked the question that I have asked myself for the last Five years. Hi, how are you? For the last five years. No. Really? No. Because I feel that the talent is a gift. And I'm not trading no gifts like this. I also feel that love, when it happens, will be an additional gift. Okay? And I also feel that when it happens right, it will obscure some of the pain of the past 50 years, you know? So what are you looking for? I mean, are you looking for like, like a, you know, are you looking for like a living person? Are you looking for like a, like what is a, per what relationship are you looking for? You know what I mean? I always, I've always had it, I've always been of the mind that I wanted to, to play house. Okay. You know? You want somebody to hold at the end of the night, to be in there, to... You know, just you know, so that the red light, even if it's not that, it's just so that the, so that the red light in the hotel room is on when you come back mm -hmm. from the concert. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Somebody to say, well, hi, what? Well, you know, um, I talked to the road manager, and your last song, you know, you finished at 10:12. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a quarter to one. Why are you coming in your room so late? You, you know. want somebody to do that? Hell yeah! You want somebody? You want to make somebody it. jealous? No, no. That's I was, a I was just things that. <laughs> no, you're saying. It. You're not letting me finish what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that not in that jealous way, but I'm just talking about that's the kind of thing that happens. I'm talking about that inquiry in a in an everyday relationship. You want somebody way. To, to you want somebody to care about where you are. And yeah. Should be looking out for you. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and somebody not on the payroll. Mm. You know. Yeah. Wait a minute. No. No. Three, four, one. Excuse me, miss. Well, what's your name? Where are you from? And can I come? And possibly can I take you out tonight? To the home. I'll have you home.
I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I enjoyed it very much having it. Uh, it's definitely one of the highlights of my career. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. Hell, share with somebody you don't even like. You know, be generous. But um, And also, if you want to hear more from me, please subscribe to the podcast on the good old iTunes. And I will be back with a new episode soon and very soon. And until then, like we always do at this time, be cool, be kind, be creative. And in the words of my fave, who incidentally Luther opened for after the release of his debut album, he opened for her. And, you know, as she says, be your damn self. <laughs> All right, y'all. See you next time. Love, Craig. Bye.